Good day and welcome to today's Spin Desk podcast show. In today's program, we're going to be looking at a new um, book review, and、um, this time around, we'll be looking at the book called Failing Forward、um, Turning Mistakes into Stepping Stones for Success. This book is by John C. Maxwell. Obviously, the reason why I chose this book today is that it has actually made a very huge impact in、um, helping me、uh, see through failures. And、um, I think this is the reason why I feel that this should be a, a book to review.、Uh, I think it will have a lot of impact on people who really struggle with um, um, a, a period of. Very little success, and、um, just with a lot of、uh, failures, and、um, it sort of reinforces、um, the reason why you should、um, focus on、um, improving your ability to to be successful. Basically, therefore, we're going to be looking at、uh, the next、um, sort of chapter, which is called. What's the main difference between people who achieve and people who are average? So,、um, looking at this very chapter, I think the very first、um, anecdote here says, We are all failures, at least all the best of us are. This is by J.M. Barry, so it's like a quote、um, by J.M. Barry, which says, We are all failures, at least all the best of us are. Alright, so this is a very good statement here. Alright, gonna, I'm gonna read. What makes achievers excel? Why do some people skyrocket while others plummet? You know what I'm talking about. You can call it luck, blessing, or Midas touch. Call it whatever you want. But the truth is that some people just seem to achieve incredible things in spite of tremendous difficulties. They finish in the top 5% in nationwide sales for their company after losing key accounts. They find ingenious ways to increase profits for their department in the face of budget cuts. They earn a graduate degree while raising two children as a single parent. They discover awesome business opportunities while colleagues don't see any at all. Or they recruit winner after winner into their organization despite what looks like an anemic labor pool. It doesn't matter what kind of work they do, wherever they are, They just seem to make things happen. Certainly, all people like to think of themselves as above average, but achievers seem to leave average in the dust. So far behind them that ordinary seems a distant memory. What's the root of achievement? What makes the difference? Why do some people achieve so much? Is it family background? Having a good family growing up is something. To be grateful for, but it's not a reliable indicator of achievement. High percentages of successful people come from broken homes. Is it wealth? No. Some of the greatest achievers come from households of average to below average means. Wealth is no indicator of high achievement, and poverty is no guarantee of low achievement. Is it opportunity? You know, opportunity is a peculiar thing. Two people with similar gifts, talents, and resources can look at a situation, and one person can see tremendous opportunity while the others see nothing. Opportunity is in the eye of the beholder. Is it high morals? I wish that that were the key, but it's not. I've known people with high integrity who achieve little. 
and I've known scoundrels who are high producers, haven't you? Is it the absence of hardship? For every achiever who has avoided tragedy, there's a Helen Keller who overcame extreme disabilities or Viktor Frankl who survived absolute horrors. So that's not it either. No one of these things are the key. When it comes right down to it, I know of only one factor that separates those who consistently shine from those who don't. The difference between average people and achieving people is their perception of and response to failure. Nothing else has the same kind of impact on people's ability to achieve and to accomplish whatever their minds and hearts desire. What you never learned in school. Soccer player Kyle Roth Jr. remarked, There is no doubt in my mind that there are many ways to be a winner, but there is really only one way to be a loser, and that is to fail and not look behind the failure. How people see failure and deal with it, whether they possess the ability to look beyond it and keep achieving, impacts every aspect of their lives. Yet, that ability seems difficult to acquire. Most people don't know where to start looking to get it. And here's another quote, there is no doubt in my mind that there are many ways to be a winner, but there is really only one way to be a loser, and that is to fail and not look beyond the failure. That is by Carol Roth Jr. Alright, so even positive people have a tough time learning how to see failure positively. For example, I've known to be a very positive person. My book The Winning Attitude has been in the print for more than 15 years but I haven't always been good at failing forward. I wasn't properly prepared for it. It's certainly not something they tried to teach me in school, and kids today don't get it there either. In fact, the school environment often reinforces people's worst feelings and expectations about failure. Take a look at some of the previous attitudes towards failure and see if your experience was similar. So, first we have feared failure and experience I had in college along with my response to it is typical of what many students encounter. On the first day of class when I was a freshman, the professor walked into my history of civilization class and boldly declared, half of you in this class will not pass this class. What was the first response? Fear. Up to that time, I had never failed a class and I did not want to start failing all of my sudden. So the first question I asked myself was, what does the professor want? School became a game that I wanted to win. I recall that I once memorized 83 dates for a test in the class because my teacher believed that if you could cite the dates, you have mastered the material. I got an A on the test, and but three days later, I had forgotten all of the information. I managed to avoid the failure I had feared, but I had not really accomplished anything. Misunderstood failure. What is failure as a child? I thought it was a percentage. 69 and lower meant failure. 70 and above signified success. That thinking didn't help me. Failure isn't a percentage or test. It's not a single event. It's a process. I was unprepared for failure. When I graduated from college with my bachelor's degree, I finished in the top 5% of my class. It didn't mean a thing. I had played the school game successfully. And I had absorbed a lot of information, but I wasn't at all prepared for what was ahead of me. I found that out in my first job. 
As a pastor in a small rural church, I worked very hard that first year. I did everything the people might expect of me, and then some. But to be honest, I was as concerned about getting everyone to like me as I was with helping people. In the type of church I led, each year the people voted to decide whether to allow the leader to keep his job. Keep his job. And many of the leaders I knew over the years loved to brag about the unanimous affirming votes that they received from their people. My expectations were high as I prepared to receive my first unanimous vote. Imagine my surprise when the votes came back 31 yeses, one no and one absentee and I was devastated. After I went home that night, I called my father who was a veteran pastor, former district superintendent in the domination and college president. Dad, I lamented, I can't believe it. I worked so hard for those people. I have done everything I can. I was at the point of tears. Somebody actually voted against me and wanted to leave the church, and an absentee is as good as no. Should I leave and go to another church? To my shock, I heard a laughter on the other end of the phone. No, son, stay there. My dad said as he chuckled, that's probably the best vote you'll ever receive. A new course. At that moment, I realized that an unrealistic view I had of success and failure, if anything, my college experience had reinforced the wrong notion I had about failure. And as I've helped leaders to grow and develop through the years, I've seen that most of the people are in the same boat. In Leadership Magazine, Jay Wallace Hamilton states, the increase of suicides, alcoholics, and even some forms of nervous breakdowns is evident that many people are training for success when they should be training for failure. Failure is far more common than success. Poverty is more prevalent than wealth, and disappointment more normal than arrival. People are training for success when they should be training for failure. Failure is far more common than success. Poverty is more prevalent than wealth, and disappointment more normal than arrival. This is by J. Wallace Hamilton. Now, training for failure, that is a great concept, and is the idea that prompted me to write this book. Right now, you're getting the chance to sign up with me for a class you were never offered in school. I want to help you train for failure. I want you to learn how to confidently look the prospect of failure in the eye and move forward anyway. Because in life, the question is not if you have problems, but how you are going to deal with your problems. Are you going to fail forward or backward? Putting a new face on obstacles. When I think of people who were able to look the trouble in the eye and forge ahead, one of the first who comes to mind is Mary Kay Ash. She has built quite an organization. During the last four or five years, I've had many opportunities to speak to the people in her cosmetic company about leadership. In fact, I've traveled around the country doing conferences and seminars. It seems that no matter where I speak, there are always at least a dozen Mary Kay consultants in attendance. I admire Mary Kay. She overcame a lot of obstacles in her career and she never let failure get the better of her. Mary Kay's first career was in direct sales and she was quite successful, but she also found that it was difficult for a woman to progress in the corporate world, especially in the 1950s and early 1960s. Even after 25 years of success, she says, I had worked my way up to being a member of the board of the company I was with 
with only to find that even though our sales force was made up entirely of women governed by all the male board, my opinions were of no value. I constantly heard Mary Kay, you're thinking like a woman again. I felt rejection in the worst form, so I decided to retire. Her retirement didn't last long. By the time a month passed, she was stir crazy. She was ready to start her own business. If she was going to encounter obstacles, they would be there only because she bought them, brought them on herself. She decided on a cosmetic business that would give every woman who worked innate unlimited opportunities. She purchased the formulas to the best beauty products she'd ever found and worked up a marketing plan and prepared to set up a corporation. Trouble? It didn't take long for her to hit her first obstacle when she visited her attorney to make legal arrangements for the corporation. He insulted her and predicted her failure. Mary Kay, he said, if you're going to throw away your life savings, why don't you just go directly to the trash can? It will be so much easier than what you're proposing. Her accountant spoke to her in a similar terms. Despite their attempts to discourage her, she moved ahead and sank her $5,000 life savings into her new business. Every cent she had, she put her husband in the charge of the administrative side of things as she worked feverishly to prepare the products, design the packaging and write the training materials and recruit consultants. They were making wonderful progress, but then a month before she was to open for business, her husband died of a heart attack right at their kitchen table. Most people would never have been able to go on after that. They would have accepted defeat and faded away. But not Mary Kay. She kept going and on September 13, 1963, she launched her business. Today, the company has more than 1 billion in annual sales, employees 3,500 people and empowers 500,000 direct sales consultants in 29 markets worldwide. And Mary Kay Ash has received just about every award an entrepreneur could dream of. Despite the adverse circumstances, obstacles and hardships yet, she failed forward. The impossible question. When I was growing up, one of the questions I used to hear from motivational speakers was, if the possibility of failure were erased, what will you attempt to achieve? If your perception of, of and response to failure were changed, what would you attempt to achieve? That seemed to me to be an intriguing question. At the time, it prompted me to look ahead to life's possibilities. But then, one day I realized that it was really a bad question. Why? Because it takes a person thinking down the wrong track. There is no achievement without failure. To even imply that it might be possible gives people the wrong impression. So here is a better question. If your perception of and response to failure were changed, what would you attempt to achieve? I don't know what obstacles you are facing in your life right now, but whatever they are doesn't matter. What does matter is that your life can change if you're willing to look at failure differently. You have the potential to overcome any obstacles, mistakes or misfortunes. All you have to do is learn to fail forward. If you're ready to do that, turn the page and let's go. Alright, so that brings us to the end of this show and the reading for today. I hope that you picked up one or two things from that um, 
read up that I've done uh, regarding failing forward and the first chapter being what's the difference between people who achieve and people who are average. So thank you very much for joining in this um, conversation and we will be looking at this a little further in the next episode. Have a nice one and goodbye.